If you've come wanting a traditional liturgical preach from a, a preacher, I am sorry to disappoint you. Um, today's not that day. Next week, however, I've got a pearl ready for you to go, but today a little bit different. Um, we're going to continue with the family theme um, a little bit, and I want to just share a story that unpacks some thoughts and an opportunity for um, people to respond at the end to what I'm going to start in a couple of weeks. And so the story goes like this. A couple of years ago, it was September 2018. Now, just a disclaimer, a warning. You know how you watch TV shows like Warning? This contains graphic images. Well, Warning, this contains graphic stories of a time when we were able to travel. So you might feel offended by that. They think, man, travel, that was, oh, man, that was sick. So just a warning, I'm talking about travel. The good old days, yes. I'm specifically looking at Brendan, who's just like itching to get on a plane. Um, So September 2018, um, myself and three other pastors embarked on a journey of discovery, a pilgrimage, if you would, through the, uh, the good old land of the US of A. And our goal was simply to visit as many influential churches that we knew of, that we were impacted by, to visit them, meet their leaders, meet their teams, experience their services, two of their buildings, ask them a million questions, learn as much information as we could that would help us in our leadership roles. And so we basically flew into LA and went from West Coast to East Coast and back to West Coast again in two weeks. Uh, It was literally a whirlwind thing. I don't think we slept at all. And uh, so we started off, went to L.A. and uh, went to um, Irma McManus's church, Mosaic, and I went to C3 L.A. Then we went down to San Diego to Awaken Church. We flew over to South Carolina to um, New Spring Church, a church of 40,000 people, which is incredible. Um, then up to New York City where we did Hillsong, New York, C3 New York, Church of the City, and uh, Timothy Keller's Redeemer um, Presbyterian Church. And then flew all the way back over to San Francisco, and the church we had lined up there dogged us, so we didn't do a church. Instead, we did a 14-hour road trip from San Fran to LA by car, which was awesome. But again, that's a story of travel, and I apologize. I've upset you. So let me press pause on that story, because that was amazing. We did some incredible things, and I've probably got a thousand stories of that trip and how it helped us and benefited us. But if we backtrack two years earlier... um, the same four guys, we started another pilgrimage, a pilgrimage of study and theology. So we all enrolled in a degree, a master's degree of theology and leadership through Richard Green at C3 Ride and also through Sydney School of, Sydney College of Divinity. And so it was going to be a four or five year endeavor that we were going to do together and um, that's what I graduated from earlier this year, which was awesome to have that um, off my back. But it was good. And so during the lectures in the two years prior to that trip, Richard Green in his lectures to us would often refer to this guy called John Tyson. And I'm like, who is this John Tyson guy? But he held him in, he hadn't met the guy, but he'd heard and read about him as a church planting and leadership guru. The guy would just sneeze and four churches would fall out of him. Uh, He was just amazing at developing leaders and raising teams. And so, we, we did a bit more research about him, like, oh, who is this guy, John Tyson? Figured out that um, he was an Aussie guy that was born and raised in Adelaide, and that at about age 16, 17, got dramatically saved, met Jesus, and then at age 20, uh, moved to America to go to Bible college and study over there. When he finished Bible college, he was mentored by Timothy Keller, who some of you may know, um, and I've got a bunch of stories that I can't tell publicly, but I'll tell you privately if you want to know, uh, about how amazing that is. Uh, And so as a result of that, he then planted his church. 
As a result of his church plant and what God did, it exploded to the fact that he had 11 campuses that he was responsible for. And so just thousands upon thousands of people that he was leading and mentoring. And at that stage, you know, he's only about six or seven years older than me, so he's maybe 47 or something. And he had a quite a young family, a son and a daughter. And he came to the realisation that um, this is the toll it takes, the pressure to lead 11 campuses and all that stuff and all that pressure that you have in leadership was, was taking its toll on him as a dad and as a husband. And he's like, do I want this? The, the church world culture is like, yes, more is more, more is more. But is the kingdom of God more is more when there's a thing called family, which we call to prioritize? And so he did a lot of wrestling and, and against popular leadership guru belief. He decided to raise each campus pastor as their own senior pastor and make every campus autonomous. And he would stay in the campus where he was centralized and that would become his local church and the other 11 would become their own independent churches. And that would then reduce the workload, reduce the pressure, reduce the expectation on him so he could spend more time with his family. And as soon as I heard the story of him, I'm like, my ears just pricked up. This is a guy who I'm, I'm interested in. I want to who does that? Um, because oftentimes in leadership it can be about ego and the more churches you have, the more people you have, the more invitations you get and the more you feel good about yourself. But this guy's like, no. Nah. My wife and kids are priority. I'm laying that down. And so we thought, let's, if we're going to do this trip, let's, let's see if we can look up this guy, John Tyson, that Richard Grimm is telling us about and see if we can catch up with him while we're in New York. And so we just, on a whim, threw an email into the wind. It's like, Lord, if you will. And we threw the fleece. And sure enough, a couple of days later, his PA wrote back and said, yeah, John would love to meet you guys. Um... If you come to our five o'clock service on that Sunday that you'll be there, he's got a 15-minute window between that and the 6.30 service where he can meet you guys in the foyer to talk about whatever you want to talk about. I was like, 15 minutes, we'll take it. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Lock it in. So fast forward to the day we did all the different traveling. We landed in New York. We did all that sort of stuff. Then that particular day, we'd been to three churches, three church services at three separate churches that we'd visited on foot. And if you've ever been to New York City, it is a beast of a city. So we were absolutely exhausted, and we stumbled into the 5 o'clock service at John Tyson's church and sat there, and if I'm perfectly honest with you, I, I fell asleep a little bit. I was tired. And, and don't act all high and mighty, because I see all of you from up here, and I could call you by name who've done the same thing. Don't judge me. And that's at a 9.30 a.m. service, you guys. Come on. So, so we sit through the five o'clock service, and um, it, was, it was a good service, that I, what I remember of it anyway. And, um, and then that service finished, and we were like, he wasn't even, he didn't preach. He didn't lead the service. He didn't do a communion. He's not even here. Did he forget that we were coming and just didn't shop to church tonight? So we're like, oh my gosh. So we got our stuff, went to the foyer, and the foyer was packed full of people. And we're looking through, trying to figure out where is he and what's going on and um, the foyer is maybe the size of this room and just people mingling around and eventually we saw him and we're like oh sweet and so the four of us sort of pushed through the crowd graciously because we're pastors get out of the way um, I've got 15 minutes with this guy what are you thinking and and there's the weirdest thing you know like you know like when you ki- you're, you're talking to someone in conversation it happens to us every single week and your kids just come and just stand like this looking at you like waiting for your attention, like I'm midway through a conversation, like, oh, dad. It was like four grown adults doing this to John. It was like just standing there, like waiting for him to finish that conversation with that guy. I was like, I'm so embarrassed. This is, this is beyond me. But we've got 15 minutes and no one knows me. I don't care. 
And so we finished up the conversation and we introduced ourselves. He's like, oh, yes, I've been expecting you guys. Yeah, cool, cool. Well, hey, listen, this is quite a, a loud spot. Why don't we, um, there's a Starbucks around the corner. Let's go and grab a coffee there. We'll just have a quick chat um, before the, the 6.30 service starts. I'm like, oh, sweet, cool. And so we walked around the corner and um, I'm thinking, great. So we're out of the church. We're now walking down the street around the corner. This is eating into the 15 minutes. <laughs> we're now at 12. Because here's what we did. On, on the flight over, we're thinking 15 minutes. So we made a pact that each of us could ask one question. <laughs> and so the question couldn't be related. To each, we, we panned out what questions we would ask so they didn't relate to each other one. And there was no follow-up questions. We just let him answer. And then the next person asked their question. We maximized our time. So I'm walking around the corner going, 12 minutes, 11 minutes. Oh, my gosh, what is going on here? So we get to the Starbucks, and um, it's packed. Not a, not a spare seat inside. People line up the door ready for coffee. And, I mean, this is like at 6.15 at night or whatever it was. And, and he's like, oh, it's too busy, too packed. Okay, uh, there's another spot. I oh, know another spot. And so I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. So back down the street again. I'm like, okay, 10 minutes, 9 minutes. What is going on here? There goes my question. I can't ask that. And... Uh, and so we go around the corner and we do two turns and then it opens up and we're in the middle of Times Square. If you've ever been to New York or you've seen Times Square, it is like tens of thousands of people sardined into a small place. Like, you want peace of quiet? You bring us here? This is ridiculous. And he's looking around going, yeah, it's a bit busier than I thought. Um, are you up for a 10-minute walk? I was like, that gives us minus two minutes to talk to you. But sure, let's go for a walk, John. This would be awesome, John. We come all the way from Australia, John, and he's just walking us around the streets. So we go on this 10-minute walk, and we get off the beaten track a little bit and end up in the, the district of, of Hell's Kitchen, the neighbourhood um, just off um, Times Square. And so he um, comes to this, build, this big apartment building, and he starts to put a code into the security pin at the, the, the front, and he goes, I hope you always don't mind, but I figure it's best to come back to our place and we'll get peace and quiet here. I was like, this is your home? He's like, yeah, yeah, come on in. So we go into his home and go up this elevator to, to it was like this, wherever, I forget what level he was on. But he's taking us through his home. Oh, this is where I pray and this is where I study. This is my library and this is it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And then he takes up another elevator to the rooftop and it's literally 360 degree views of the New York skyline on top of this building. And we sat there for three hours and talked about life and theology and church and family and God. And he goes, I'm not even preaching at the 6.30. Let's just hang here. Let's just hang. You guys, you guys cool with that? I'm like, heck yeah, we're cool with that. <laughs> so I'm counting down these 15 minutes for like 45 minutes. And then all of a sudden, bang, we get three hours uninterrupted. Here's a photo, actually, that I've got of um, the four of us. Um, on the rooftop, that's him next to me. Uh, of course, he's settling to me because he loved me most. Um, <laughs> and uh, as in the middle, there's Brendan Elliott, who was this, the pastor of C3 Thoreau in South uh, Sydney. And then this is Dan Gorry with the glasses, and then Steve Godfrey, who you all would know from Kingscliff. And so these are the, the, the four men of the apocalypse that went on this pilgrimage, and my man John, um, which is awesome. So it's just to this day, we, we often, when we chat, me and the boys, it is one of the greatest moments of our life. Um, and again, there was so much spoken about. And, and then as we left, he gave us all these gifts. Take this, take this, take this, take this. And we're like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. And it was just, we hopped in the elevator on the, on the way out and we're like, what even happened? And it was a, 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 
You might think this is really weird, just hanging out with one dude, but it was like we encountered what the kindness and generosity of God looks like when it's manifested in reality. That's what that night felt like. And so um, since that particular event, um, I've, I've always had a, 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 a strong liking for John, so I, I'll get his books and I love his books. And um, he's tight with like, his, his crew. So on the screen you saw that's my crew, his crew, is a guy called Mark Sayers, who was a pastor in Melbourne, who um, wrote the book *Reappearing Church*, who we did as a we did as a, a, a short course earlier this year. His other crew is John Mark Comer, who wrote *The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry*, which we did at the beginning of 2020. So all these guys, unbeknownst to me, are actually like, oh, these guys are like best mates. No wonder I'm loving this content because what's pouring out of them is stuff that's resonating in my heart, and and these guys are putting words to how I'm feeling, and so it's absolutely incredible. So I've been following John. All that to say what I'm about to say now and launch into is that he has just literally released a book in the last few weeks. And as a taster, he launched, who's got version, the, the Bible app where you read your devotion every day and yep, you feel good about yourself and love it, thank you. And, and they've got the plans, right? You can do a little daily devotional plan at all different topics. So he just did a little taste test um, of his new book. Of just just a subtle little bits and pieces to put it out there as like a pre-launch. So I took some of our core team guys through it. Uh, I said, "Hey, fellas, let's just do this together. It's like a seven-day devotional." Um, and the book's called "The Intentional Father." And so um, we just did that. And I'm like, "This book is ridiculous." Just the snippets I was getting daily was amazing. So I got the book, devoured the book on my holidays. At the end of it, I'm like, this is exactly the content that our church needs. We are about family. We are about godly families. We are about um, women raising women, men raising men, and being all God's called us to be. And so when I, I read this book, I'm like, we have to do this book as a church. And so this is going to be the next short course that I'm going to launch in a couple of weeks, um, primarily for dads with boys, primarily, right, for men, and specifically dads who've got boys because it's all about helping young men transition into adulthood and get through adolescence it is incredibly practical it is incredibly helpful it is incredibly powerful and i suppose it's good too for like you know mentors if you, you might be past that dad age but there's young men around you that you can impart to i reckon do this you could be a granddad where there's you've got a boy in your life with an absent dad figure come do this course um so it's just going to be phenomenal. If you just want to be that voice of an older man to a younger generation, you need to do this particular course. And it got me thinking um, about this, and I was like, yeah, should we do it, should we do it? And I was like, hold on a minute. I had this weird thought. I was like, I drive a 2017 Holden Captiva. Not a flash car, but it's a good enough car. It gets us around, does, it, does, does its job, and it gets the kids to dancing and gymnastics and whatnot. But um, a couple of times a year, we send it to the dealership to get serviced. And, and we'll pay, like, if I'm just being honest, like four or five hundred bucks to get it serviced and finely tuned to get all the tweak, make, make sure that it's functioning well. And on top of that, we, we do a thing called um, insurance, where if it crashes, we'll just get it replaced. And that's probably no surprise to you because you probably do that too. You probably get your car serviced. And you probably insure your car in case it gets smashed or something happens to it you can just get it replaced um, and it's like a normal thing and we budget that we put that in our budget prioritize that because we want to make sure that that car is functioning at its optimum capacity and if it gets broken we want to be able to replace it 
And then God put in my spirit, are you that intentional about how you raise your kids? You put that level of care and intentionality into making sure your car runs well, are you that intentional about raising your son well? I was like, holy dooly God, why are you so heavy? I thought you were a loving father. Why are you dropping this on me, man? It's like a guilt trip from heaven. And I was like, I've got to do this. And I've got to take men with me on this journey. The dads have to do this. We have to be intentional about raising our kids. If we can spend a couple of grand a year in our car just to keep it running, we can, we can invest 30 bucks in raising our boys well. So that's all I'm asking of the dads. I, I've, I went back and reread the book a second time to then see if I could format it into a, a short course format. And the best I could do, because I know the time is of a premium for, for men, for everybody really, the best I could do without diluting content was eight weeks, which takes us up to about the 9th of December. So it's not too much into that crazy Christmas period. And that's if we start in about a week or two's time. And so here's what I'm putting out there to the men. I'm asking you, if you're a dad, especially of a boy, if you've only got girls, come too. That'd be fine. There's, 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 there's stuff you can still learn there. I'm asking for 30 bucks. That just covers the cost of ordering this book in for you, right? You got that. And then eight weeks to come after pre-reading one or two chapters and then we'll discuss things as men, pray for one another and set each other on a path to raising sons on purpose. Because if we don't, Social media will raise them, their phones will raise them, the internet will raise, raise them. They'll figure out how to do stuff via YouTube, not by a father's in, instruction. And I don't want my son to be discipled by the world. I want my son to be discipled by me. In fact, I don't even want my son to be discipled by the church. Because over the years as youth pastors, the amount of kids that expected Anna and I to disciple their kids as a way of them not having to was ridiculous. I was like, no, no, no. The church supplements what the church, what the individual initiates. And today we did dedications, right? I'm not saying to these families, I'm going to raise your kid for you. I'm going to train them how to be a Christian. I'm, going to train them. No, no. I'm saying is we commission you and applaud you in your decision to do that and we'll support you however we can to make that a reality. My PT at the gym does not lift the weights for me. That's my job. They can lift the weights all they like. They're going to get the benefit, not me. So when it comes to raising my kids, we cannot outsource their discipleship, their development or their growth. It starts with us. And so we might sacrifice, I might sacrifice 30 bucks in eight weeks, but guess who's the benefactor? Not me, Oak. This book's for him. Not for me. It's for Arrow, for Phoenix. It's for your boys, for your nephew, for your grandson, for your whoever. So that they can, because... And I'm not going to spend too much more because the course will open your eyes and show you the reality of the state of the world we're living in and why it's important that we are intentional. Last thing I'll say, here's what I'm prepared to do because I've got a family that I need to lead and look after as well. Um, so, but I'm going to sacrifice to make as many people possible have access to do this as I can. So I'm willing to, to run this course on a Monday night and I'm also willing to run it on a Wednesday night. And I'm also willing to run it on a Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. for those who don't work, do, do night things. I want to do a morning thing. So in the counter, there is a sign-up sheet where you can put your name, email address, whatever. You can pay if you want today if you want to sign up. Um, and then it, it selects what is your preferred time. Is it a Monday night, Wednesday night, or Tuesday morning? If they all work for you, 
select all of them, just so I know how I can maximize my time for everybody else. Don't just select one you prefer. If you can only do one, just select one, but if you can do as many as you can do, circle them, and I'll try and stream like that. But I'm, I'm totally happy to be here three times a week to lead men through this course because I know that on the other end of it, your son, your grandson, your nephew, your neighbor, whoever it is that you have influence in their life will benefit as a result of that. The only thing I'm asking today is that you um, sign up uh, if you can so that I can order the books like this afternoon or tomorrow because they're on pre-order and they're expecting a shipment in Australia this week and I want to be in on that shipment so they don't uh, lose all the stock. Um, so I didn't want to put the heavy sales pitch on but I kind of feel like I just want to convey the importance. I'm going to read an excerpt then we're going to finish. Um, did you know there are five types of fathers out there? Which of the following best describes you? There's the irresponsible father, one who has literally zero involvement with his kids, someone who completely bails on them to the point that they don't even know who he is. This father takes no responsibility, provides no child support, and contributes no meaningful support into the lives of his children. Secondly, there is the ignorant father. This type of father has no idea what he is doing and continually wreaks havoc in the lives of his children without even realising it. He doesn't know anything about being a father and he doesn't try to learn or improve at all. Because of all of this, he ends up projecting his own brokenness into the lives of his children. Thirdly is the inconsistent father, who is torn by personal ambition. He has the capability of doing better at this fathering thing, but instead he prioritises his own job, his career and his hobbies. These binges of selfishness are often followed by guilt and feeble attempts to fix everything, but there is no stable sense of security or identity passed down to his children. There is a fourth type of father, the involved father. This type of dad shows up at sporting events and takes the time to put fil porn filters on his kids' devices. He gives a lot of, gets a lot of things right, but because of the busyness of life and the failure to ask the right questions, he never seeks to understand specifically who his children are and why God gave them to him. He is noble but haunted by the sense that there is something more, another layer or level in his parenting. And finally, there is the intentional father. The intentional father is deeply invested in discovering who his children are and how he can help them reach their redemptive potential. He seeks to understand the children God has given him and wants to form them into young persons who can fulfill their purpose. He sees parenting as central to his call before God and does it with all of his might. This kind of father leaves multi-generational blessings in the lives of his children. This book is all about becoming that fifth kind of father. Again, I ask you, which type are you? Be honest. Are you willing to put the time in that's required to become an intentional father and help your children thrive. It's a little taste, what we're talking about. And um, I know there's stacks of dads that aren't here that probably would benefit or want to do this. So um, to the dads, to the father figures, to the men, I want to encourage you um, to do that and encourage you to think of people who would benefit from doing this. Um, who would really see it as a, a blessing to their life, to be a blessing for their sons and the young men that they're called to lead. So I told you it wasn't a conventional message today. You'll get that next week, so make sure you come back. Um, but I just have that burning in my heart to, as a church that prioritises families to help families be the best they can be according to God's standard, not just live by default, but live by design. Let me pray for you.
Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for everything that's happened here this morning, for the incredible worship, for the amazing kids program out there looking after our kids. Lord, I pray that you would fulfill um, the positions available out there with people who have a heart to serve kids, or even people just have a heart to do whatever it takes. Lord, would you stir our affections to serve out there, Lord God. We thank you for, um, Lord, all the dedications of the kids this morning and those wonderful families. Lord, I pray again that you would just look after those kids. You will bless those families, bless those households, Lord God. And I pray specifically right now for all the dads, all the father figures, Lord God, the uncles, the grandfathers, Lord, that you would just um, stir us to rise up and be what the generation after us needs us to be, that we would not outsource uh, mentorship, we would not outsource discipleship, we would not outsource fatherhood to this world or the things of this world, but we would stand up and own it ourselves and do it together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here.